You're listening to the New Hope Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about New Hope, including our service times and events, please visit newhopebc.org. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Reese Stenner. Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 20, 2 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 1, and it's the story of a man called Joab. Everyone say Joab. And in our series so far, who would you invite to Thanksgiving? We've agreed that it would be brilliant to invite Abigail along to Thanksgiving. In fact, we would gladly send out DoorDash to Abigail. She's such a wonderful person. What a blessing she is. But then there are some folks who are a bit more of a mixture. Next week, we've got a really cheerful chap who we're going to meet next week, and he's going to, I think, uh, he's going to win our hearts all over. But Mephibosheth was a bit of a mixture, and Joab even more. And so when we read the scripture, you're going to go like, how on earth are we going to say something out of this? There's going to be some real clarity speaking to us today. So here we go. Here's the story. Now a troublemaker named Sheba. By the way, we've got a Sheba in the church. I don't know if you know that. She spells her name slightly differently, so we're not talking about this Sheba. We're talking about another Sheba, just to clarify that, okay? Now I better send the text to Soman and Sheba later. Now a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bikri, a Benjamite, happened to be there, and he shouted, sorry, he sounded the trumpet and shouted, we have no share in David. So they've just got over a rebellion. They've had a period of peace. And you notice how the devil tries to create lawlessness and mayhem in the world. The devil loves to operate like that. So there was something devilish going on. It's like, we have no share in David. No part in Jesse's son. Every man to his tent, Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David to follow Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah, praise God, stayed by their king all the way from the Jordan to Jerusalem. We praise God for the men of Judah. I want us to jump to verse 4. Then the king said to Amasa, he's one of the generals, summon the men of Judah to come to me within three days and be here yourself. Usually when there's a sudden war, it takes a little moment, and a lot of you have served in the military, it takes a little moment just to gather everyone together, but there's got to be a time limit, and so the general is told by David, three days. But when Amasa went to summon Judah, he took longer than the time the king had set for him. He's a slow general. And this could have been viewed as a non-supportive gesture by Amasa. So David said to Abishai, another important leader, now Sheba, son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom did. Take your master's men and pursue him, or he will find fortified cities and escape from us. So Joab's men and the Kerathites and the Pelathites and all the mighty warriors went out under the command of Abishai. They marched out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. And while they were at the great rock in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet them. Something bad happens next, so just prepare yourself for this. Joab was wearing his military tunic and strapped over it at his waist was a belt with a dagger in its sheath. As he stepped forward, it dropped out of its sheath. Joab said to Amasa, how are you, my brother? Then Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. That was like a Middle Eastern greeting at the time, like an embrace. Amasa was not, I just thought you'd like to know that, that it wasn't actually a kiss like that. You know what I'm saying? It was actually an embrace, okay? A bit like how Pastor Alan and I greet each other, you know what I mean? Anyway, Amasa was not on his guard against the dagger in Joab's hand, and Joab plunged it into his belly, and his intestines spilled out on the ground. Don't draw that one, children. I know you drew a nice picture of Absalom, but don't draw that one. Without being stabbed again, Amasa died, and then Joab and his brother Abishai pursued Sheba, son of Bichri. One of Joab's men stood beside Amasa and said, whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. 
Amasa, how about this rough phrase, wallowing in his blood in the middle of the road, and the man saw that all the troops came to a halt then. When he realized that everyone who came up to Amasa stopped, he dragged him from the road into a field and threw a garment over him. A little bit more Bible detail there, and I want to pause and say there's always a servant in the Bible who will clear up the mess, amen? After Amasa, verse 13, after Amasa had been removed from the road, everyone went on with Joab to pursue Sheba, son of Bichri. Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, Beth, Makar, and through the entire region of the Bichrites, who gathered together and followed him. All the troops with Joab came and besieged Sheba in Abel, Beth, Makar. And by the way, today, I say that carefully, it's an archaeological site in the north of Galilee. They built a siege ramp up to the city, we read. You can literally see this today raised up as a huge mound. Isn't it great to know that increasingly, when archaeology uh, does its work, that the Bible is confirmed every time. We knew that anyway, because it's the inspired Word of God, but I thank God, because in the past, people say, well, there's no archaeology increasingly. Now they are doing this archaeology. They're knowing how to preserve things carefully. It continually, again and again and again, upholds the Word of God. If you're thankful for God's Word, would you give Him praise, everyone? And I said that all in the middle of a verse here. So all the troops came, besieged Sheba, they built a siege ramp, and it stood against the outer fortifications while, while they were battering the wall to bring it down. So something destructive is about to take place. A wise woman, everyone say wise woman, called from the city, listen, listen, tell Joab to come here so I can speak to him. He went toward her and she asked, are you Joab? See, he was famous. Are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, listen to what your servant has to say. I'm listening, he said. She continued, long ago they used to say, get your answer at Abel, and that settled it. We are the peaceful and faithful in Israel, amen? You are trying to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Far be it from me, Joab replied, far be it from me to swallow up or destroy. That is not the case. A man named Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim, has lifted up his hand against the king, against David. Hand over this one man, and I'll withdraw from the city. The woman said to Joab, his head will be thrown to you from the wall. Praise God for sisters like that in the church, amen? Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off the head of Sheba, son of Bichri, and threw it to Joab. So he sounded the trumpet, and his men dispersed from the city, each returning to his home, and Joab went back to the king in Jerusalem, and to the reading of God's word, all God's people say, amen. amen. Whew, so what do we make of that story this morning, everybody? Some folks are really hard to figure out. I'd like to think that most folks we can figure out pretty quickly, like that disciple of whom it was said, in him was no guile. But Joab is a different character. Like some folks, you think they're the best person, and the next you shake your head and you wonder what's going on. Joab is a significant figure in the story of David. He's referenced in the Bible more than 100 times, much more than, say, Jonathan. Next to David, Joab is consistently the most powerful man in Israel. He was a kind of general pattern. Give me a wave if you, you know if I'm talking about when I say general pattern. Uh, you were much more likely to win in World War II with General Patton on your side, but General Eisenhower or Marshall often would have to look away from some of the things that Patton did. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, David's
had sent Joab out on his behalf in a time when Joab acted for David, almost like Joseph did for Pharaoh. Joab was vital in the defeat of Absalom. Personally, he ended the rebellion by throwing three spears into Absalom's heart. And that was indeed a rebellion that needed to be defeated. He protected David's kingship. You need people like Joab. Later, he rebuked David when David was grieving for too long over Absalom, for David hadn't appreciated what the army had been going through. Joab honored the veterans. So again, he was critical to the kingdom. One minute, Joab is loyal to the Lord's anointed. The next, he's murdering one of David's underperforming generals. And the next thing again, he's brokering a successful peace treaty. Some people are just really hard to assess because they're kind of complicated. Just say complicated, everyone. I mean, that, that's true. So we need to decide with regard to Joab as to whether he was toxic through and through or just complex. Was he just a maverick? And every organization from time to time needs to make room for a maverick. Was he just a maverick or was he a disaster? Do their strengths overwhelm their weaknesses or is it the other way around? And over Thanksgiving dinner with a whole room full of people, I don't know whether you're going to have 5, 10, 15, 20 people in your room, maybe more than that. Do you know there will probably be someone in your room and they're a little complicated. You know when things are really going down, things are going badly, just whisper to your loved one, it's complicated, okay? That's, that's, that's the reality sometimes. And so may God, may God bless this church and give you wisdom forever who you may hang out with over the next few days. Ephesians 4.2 and Colossians 3.13 says, bear with one another, literally put up with one another. So if there's a guy with blue hair in your close proximity, you've got to put up with him at that point as well. Now, of course, the Bible says that some people should be put out of fellowship and some people should be put up with. And that's where we need discernment with regard to Joab. Did he need to be put out or did he need to be put up with? And that's the wisdom that God will give each of us in each different situation. You know, when he kills Amasa and kind of makes that sort of horrible, you know, the intestines fall out, leaves him by the side of the road. Everyone else is like, what happened here? And it's like, as they're marching by, they're almost kind of frozen with like, they can't help. It's a bit like when there's an accident taking place at the side of the road. You know how in Georgia, everyone has to slow down and have a really good look. You know, it, it would serve us to keep going, wouldn't it? It's not, oh no, hey, I've waited long enough to have a really good look. Uh, of what's taking place. And so people were like that. And so it's almost like Joab, when he, he, there's that atrocity takes place, it's almost like he just scrolls by to the next thing. You know, that can be like that on your newsfeed sometimes. You kind of see something terrible, really awful, and then like scroll by, and the next thing is you're watching a cat video. And it seems that Joab had that same capacity to move from atrocity to then, next thing he's brokering a peace deal and doing something really good in the nation. So do you agree with me so far on what we're saying? that Joab is a mixture. Everyone say mixture. Joab is just a mix of complex things. One minute he's so nice, the next not so nice. One minute he's useful, next moment he's difficult. Joab was sometimes actually very spiritual and very moral, and I'll give you an example of that in a minute. Other times, not so moral. There's a mixture in his life, and sometimes it's really hard to figure out someone like that. Your team may have a winning quarterback and he's doing such a great job and everything's going so well, but behind the scenes, everyone knows that he's doing stuff that he should not be doing. Do we turn a blind eye when someone is like that? Well, if it's your team that keeps winning, it's easy to sometimes turn a blind eye. Maybe he was like 
the anointed Christian leader who kept being successful and he's growing the church or the ministry or the business, famous, but in due course, we find out there was something not right all along. Some people, and I think it's all of us sometimes, will do the most gracious, self-sacrificing, courageous acts, and the next minute we can be sneaky and cowardly and mean. There's a sense in which we are all like Joab, for the Bible tells us what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is the sucker punch for us that we look at Joab and say how terrible he was and all those bad things that he did, and we can sometimes miss that we've got a plank in our own eye. One moment, the scripture tells us our words are salt water. The next moment, they are fresh. One moment, we're the sweet aroma of Christ. The next moment, the stench of death. One moment, living a holy life, tipping 30% and the next infuriated in traffic on Highway 85 as you drive from the South Campus to the North Campus. We see ourselves in the story of Joab. We see ourselves being interested in only our own position. Me first, well, as long as I'm safe, as long as I get through the line, I'm okay, I'm not so worried about them. Uh, We see ourselves sometimes taking revenge, hurting other people with our words, losing our temper or just smoldering in silence. But we also see the good as well, and that's the mystery of Joab because Joab was there right from the beginning. When you go back to the early times in the cave of Adullam, when 400 men gathered and Saul was the tyrant over the land whom God had rejected, a few people gather in the cave of Adullam and Joab is one of those. Joab was one of those who helped David win the victories, helped conquer Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and it all goes back to the conquering of David with Joab alongside him and Joab was there when they brought in the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and people praised God and David said, I will become even more undignified than this and he prays God he doesn't care about those who were sat next to him he just prays the name of the Lord his God and Joab bore witness to the writer of the Psalms the singer of the Psalms alongside King David and then he kills Amasa and almost doesn't seem to notice how gruesome the whole scene is and then the next thing just when we want to completely reject Joab for all time in verse 17 he listens into this story he went towards the woman I'll just dive into verse 17 a little bit. She asked, are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, listen to what your servant has to say. He says, I'm listening. There you go, one moment committing atrocity, the next moment being a good listener and able to do a peace treaty that was quite miraculous, that only one person died and an entire city was saved. And so he really is a complex character and yet God uses him as well. And I want to give one more example when God used him in chapter 24 of the same Bible book. I'm going to show you one verse. David wanted to count his fighting men. And by implication, when everyone was reading the story, there are plenty of examples in the Bible of numbers being counted. Why, there's a whole Bible book called what? Numbers. When Jesus fed 5,000, well, it was 5,000, it was 4,000, there were 156. The Bible has lots of Uh, stories about the numbers, but on this occasion, it seems that David's spirit was wrong. He was counting for all the wrong reasons, and Joab warns him, 2 Samuel 24, verse 3, but Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over, and may the eyes of my Lord the king see it, but why does my Lord the king want to do such a thing? Joab here was being spiritually perceptive, He's warning the writer of the Psalms, don't do this foolish thing. It will actually lead to judgment. David says, well, we're going to do it anyway. 
We can be like this. We're going to do it anyway. And it leads to judgment. Nonetheless, Job actually helps him with the counting of the census, even though he says, I'm warning you don't do this. But as his key commander, he helped activate it as well. So what a mixture. And so let's just summarize and really make this very personal this morning. I think there's some real application for all of us here today. Here's the first thing. Do you agree with me on this? Some are successful but lacking in character. And when I say some, it's easy for us to go, oh, them lot over there, those people, they're the successful ones who lack in character. That's a challenge for everyone else. Like if we've been given success, if we have been blessed, if we've got responsibility, if we've got trucks behind us, we're parents or grandparents, we've got a job, we've got responsibilities, there's a warning for us to make sure that with the blessing, the thanksgiving blessing that we receive, let's make sure that we've got the character to go with it as well. Joab had the competence, but it seems that his character was not so good. Uh, we were surprised as a family when we arrived here in 2005 that nobody knew who Robbie Williams was. Uh, Robbie Williams was the most uh, successful pop star. Robbie Williams was the biggest pop star in Britain when we arrived here. He's a bit of a mess, you can't help loving him, but he was maybe a little bit like Joab. Let me tell you about Robbie. He was in the pop band Take That, who sold six times as many albums worldwide than the Backstreet Boys, Sorry Sisters, sold twice as many as One Direction, Sorry Kids, sold more than the Jackson 5, Sorry Al and Shelley, and... uh, (laughs) second only to the Beatles, then Robbie went solo, and his career absolutely went off into the stratosphere. Um, If you count the number of British all-time albums by artists across the world, Adele has four, Ed Sheeran seven, Taylor Swift nine, Elvis 13, Stones 14, Robbie 14, and the Beatles 15. I mean, he would play to 200,000 people. I've never seen a pop star with um, an entire audience in the palm of his hand like Robbie Williams. But then came the usual story of collapse into addiction. In fact, multiple addictions. And Robbie's been saying in the press very recently, it came for him way too early. He says, it wasn't good for me. All that success, he says, all the success was not good for me. He lost touch with reality on one concert on a massive European tour. He was almost unable to function on stage. It's an extreme example, but I think we've heard of pop stars who in the past were caught in a trap and they couldn't get out. Like a bad photograph, some people are underdeveloped and overexposed. You go away to university, you go away to college, you got the exposure, you got the prestige, you got the excitement, but if there's not the character, you won't be able to handle the freedom, and so going to college will be a negative experience instead of a positive experience for you. It can be the same with inherited money or a ministry opportunity. It can be the same with any kind of success. I'm so successful. I earn this money. This is going well. But if you have that opportunity without the character behind it, you're going to be in trouble, my friend. It was the same with Joab. Some people are successful but lack character. Secondly, some folks are just hard to figure out. They are a mixture. I mean, that's what we've been saying already, but I just wanted to speak it out this morning. One minute they greet you effusively, the next minute you feel like they snub you. They will do a great week's work for you, and then two weeks later, you feel like they're pulling against you, and it's all undone. There are some that make those promises. You think this is the greatest thing ever, and then they don't follow through with their promises. One minute, 
they seem to be your most loyal supporter, the next they seem to be your enemy. Joab is indeed a mixture, and many other people are mixtures as well, amen? And that explains some of the difficulty we get into, that some people seem to create a lot of trouble in organizations, in churches, in schools, in businesses, whatever. But here's the problem. The third thing is, sometimes we can't even figure out ourselves. In other words, we're all a mixture, actually. Every one of us is a mixture. And I'll come, I'll, I'll give us a right understanding of what our identity in Christ is, but there is a real sense in which some of us are all a mixture. Romans 7, verse 15, we've got it on the screen. The apostle Paul says, and some theologians argue, was Paul referring to uh, his life before his conversion? I believe no, this was actually at the time of writing because that's the context. Uh, and before we get to the glorious Romans chapter eight, Paul says, I don't understand what I do. I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I say it. I don't know why I don't want to do that. I said I'm not going to do it again, and I did it all over again. Give me a wave if you've sometimes said that as well. Every one of us. I don't understand what I do. The apostle, the righteous, you know, spiritual apostle says, I don't even understand what I do. That's a mixture. For what I want to do, what? I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Verse 17, as it is, it's no longer I myself. This helps us understand the mixture, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do. It's like, okay, I'm gonna do some good, I'm gonna do some good, but I don't do it. But the evil, I don't do the evil, don't do the evil, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. And it's just me and Chris. Verse 20, and a couple of others. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. And then Paul says in verse 24, what a wretched man I am. And talk about your identity. It's not till you understand what a wretched man, wretched woman we are, that we can truly understand where the healing begins. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. And there follows Romans 8. There is no longer no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The glorious Romans 8 actually follows the fact that there is a mixture and that still, despite Romans 8, there are some days you've got to be honest and say, I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And I wanted to do something good and I couldn't do it. And I didn't want to do the evil and I did it. We can sometimes ourselves be a disappointing mixture. Maybe 98% of the time we're doing great, but that 2% that creeps into our life, that thing that we said that hurt someone's feelings, that caused that little morsel of gossip that we knew we shouldn't pass it on, but we passed it on and created a forest fire all around us. That 2% can sometimes be high impact. And that's the thing about Joab. It wasn't all the time, but just occasionally he would do something and it would be pretty catastrophic. And by the way, he did get his comeuppance in the end. It was actually Solomon that dealt with him in the end. And that can be you and I, we're a mixture. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who goes, Lord, Lord, not everyone who worships, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What a warning that is to us that there is a mixture here today. Billy Graham was once asked the question, in the American churches, you might think back, well, well, in those days, that's when people were really spiritual and they were really godly because they're not spiritual or godly today, right? In those days, Billy Graham was asked, what proportion of church attenders do you believe are truly saved? And Billy Graham replied by saying, in my estimation, I believe it's something like 65%. That's staggering, isn't it? 
I think that's why Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We are indeed a mixture. Sometimes we can't even figure out ourselves, but the word of God helps us figure it out. It's sin within us. And that's why we do weird stuff. And that's why we can't do what we want to do. What's the answer? Last thing I want to say is this, everyone. Only Jesus had no mixture in him. Only Jesus had no mixture in him. Can I say it again? Only Jesus had no mixture in him. Jesus is not like Joab. Jesus is not even like David. Though he's called the son of David, Jesus did not sin like David. He never sinned. Jesus is completely trustworthy. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. He's altogether lovely, altogether worthy, the sinless one, the holy one. And here's the thing, Joab won some victory through the shedding of other people's blood. Jesus won the victory through the shedding of his own blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. So when we lift our eyes to him and we see ourselves this mixture, I don't even know why I'm doing this stuff, and we see that it's sin in us, the answer is, in fact, a relationship with Jesus. And that's my identity, and that's our identity. I'm going to call us to the altar in a moment as we worship God right now. I'm going to call us to respond and pray. Though I'm a mixture, and I'm a wretched man, and I've tried to do the good things, and I've fallen down, and I've tried to avoid the, the, avoid the bad stuff, and I've fallen down, I'm a mixture, but I thank God that my identity is in Him, Christ in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Where is Jesus right now? Tell me, where's Jesus right now? No, 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 where's Jesus right now? No, 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 where is Jesus right now? No, you're pointing to your heart, but where is Jesus? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, amen? Jesus died on the cross. I know what you'll mean, but he died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again three days later, hallelujah. He appeared 40 days. He ascended to heaven. Where is Jesus right now, everyone? Point up there somewhere. He's at the right hand of the Father. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit was then poured out, and so the risen Lord Jesus Christ is in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Give God praise that we have the Spirit of God. So my identity is Christ in me, in Him. And yes, there are still days I can be a mixture. There are still days I can sow to the flesh instead of sowing in the Spirit. And I want you to stand up with me now, my brothers and sisters. But can we just praise God that despite being a mixture, despite this mixture, we can be in Christ today. Just pr- Would you all just pray this prayer out loud in response as I pray? Just pray the very same words out loud like I'm doing right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I worship Jesus today. You are altogether lovely, altogether worthy. What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. You're the glorious one. I fix my eyes upon Jesus. I fix my gaze upon you. I worship you today, Lord. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for drawing me into your life. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe to hear more encouraging podcasts from New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at newhopebc.org.